What's up, man? Welcome back to Seattle. Here we are. Awesome, man. This has been, a, this has been an exciting weekend. Come um, on. Man, uh, you, you flew in. We're do, we've been working on some stuff this weekend. Yes, we have been. I use that word way too much, stuff. Um, but no, we've been, we've been going after it, dude. And um, God's up to some, some really, it's, it's amazing to see how we're finishing this year. And, um, and there's a lot of momentum right now. A lot of stuff is going on. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff tonight. Um, but with all the crazy stuff kind of hitting the fan, God is also doing something extremely cool this year. And I, I really think, we've talked about this already, but I really think it has everything to do with even what Bob Jones declared about 2020 and the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and revival and apostolic Chiefs that are emerging. And... Um, uh, and we'll, I only see in part, but I feel in my spirit that God is really, there, 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 there's been a huge shift and that we really have to have ears to hear. I know that that's what you've been talking about. So I'm excited to dive into some stuff with you and just see what's resonating in, in you and see what you're seeing. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah, I would say that it's a 100% uh, changing of the guard in this season. I think that um, those that are in the church are rising right now, and uh, I, I think that you're seeing the army of the Lord coming. I think that's what you're seeing emerging right now. And um, the time of playing church and playing games is over with, and I think that we're in that stage right now. And so it's exciting times. And if you have eyes to see, you can really see revival is about to hit and outpouring is about to hit. And, um, you know, God is looking for a, an army right now and a militant people that aren't going to back down. In the face of darkness, these are exciting times, you know. And for me personally, I, I feel excited. You know, I live for times like this and the things that we've been facing this year, even in our own country. Um, you know, personally, I feel that I'm equipped to handle this, the, these kinds of, of things, you know? Yeah, because some people might say, wait, you're excited? Because sometimes it comes across like you're not excited. Sometimes it comes across like you're, you're, like, like you're, like you're raging pissed. Like, is, is Charlie pissed or is he? And so, and, um, and I, I'd like to dive into that. Like, what are you, like, yeah, we're excited, but we're also, excited doesn't mean goofy. Right. Right. And like, um, and so it's a different thing, isn't it? Like, I don't, like, like, I don't want to put words in your mouth. But there's, a, can you explain the intensity that you're feeling right now and how that works with this, with this excitement? And also, also maybe what you're a little bit like nervous about, or not nervous, but like what you feel like. I'm asking you a lot, but 
Well, I feel, you know, I, I'm excited because I feel like people are finally waking up to maybe things that I've always known, but now other people are starting to wake up to those things, and even things that I thought that people probably already knew, but they didn't know, and, you know, just by having uh, conversations with them. Yeah. They would say to me, like, what, what, is the, what do you mean, what, what is that, or what is this? I've never even heard of that before. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe for years I thought that it was just assumed that people knew some things, but now they're, they're starting to awaken to them um, just through conversation uh, and the time that we're living in right now, mm-hmm. you know. What do you think this whole thing as far as... Um, like when you give a prophetic word, for example, and people just think that if it's of God, it's going to happen. Like, like if that's the Lord, it's going to happen. Um, and we don't have any part to play in it. Like, like that we are basically as, as Christians, we are like observers of, of the prophetic. So like Charlie gives a word or Bobby gives a word or, or Bob Jones gave a word. Like he gave the word about the Chiefs and Super Bowl. Like, and so our role is like to sit back like we watch Netflix. Like, like really, bro, like Christianity in the Western church has become like, like the Netflix church, especially with COVID because we think that like, like everything's gone digital. So the future of the church is obviously um, digital. So I think that's like, and there, there are these really weird things that are being said right now. So I think that sometimes when it comes to um, the prophetic, we, we listen to the prophetic, we observe the prophetic, and then we yelp the prophetic out of one out of five stars, depending on the style, maybe what prophet wore, and then if it came true. And we think that our okay. job is to judge the prophetic by right. giving it one out of five stars when we're not participating with the word. And so, um, yeah, so the reason I bring that up is just regarding the election, the election word, and then just some of the uh, some of what I see as immaturity regarding Netflix Christians uh, kind of sitting back and being like, I can give it one star because, you know. Okay, so I, I would say that um, Christianity in the West is probably more of a spectator sport in, in a lot of ways than a participation. Um, I think that we view prophets uh, in, a, in a wrong way. And what I mean by that is we judge prophets upon prophecies in not understanding the role of wow. what a prophet is. Wow. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that we can all prophesy, right? But the office of a prophet, according to Ephesians 4, is given to the body of Christ to actually build the body. And so it's not just about prophecy, Prophets are are truth agents. Mm. That's good, right? Man. And and for me, what I've learned over the last several years is that the only time people kind of come out of the woodwork to question is if they feel that you've missed something. That's the only time those people come to tell you how you missed it. That you have no relationship with whatsoever. You know, they just have to tell you that you missed it, but they never come around ever. You never hear from them when you hit it, you know, when, when the word that you gave is 
right there. There's no denying it that it happened. And you're looking at that word. They don't ever come around. It's only when they think that you've missed it. And so, that, you know, that can, that can be challenging uh, in some ways. But I, I think that once you get past that, that part of really caring what people think, that you know within the heart, your heart of hearts that what you said is from the Lord, then you stand upon that. And, and you also recognize that prophecy is, is not just foretelling the future wow, okay. of what's coming. Because, because psychics can do that. Yeah. That doesn't distinguish you as a real prophet. True prophets, again, are agents of truth wow. and righteousness. And I've never had a word that God has given me that I did not have to contend in the realm of the spirit for to see it come to pass. So just because God speaks to you something and you say it, that doesn't mean that your job is done, that your job was just to, um, was just to communicate on behalf of God. But there's actually... Uh, there's actually a responsibility that you feel to partner with God in, in birthing that word. 100%. And, and not, not just predicting the future, but actually creating the future. Right. And, and, and you know what else is really interesting to think about is that a prophet doesn't have to release his prophetic words through the way and the avenues that we do it now, through social media for him to be a prophet. I could literally just release prophetic words to people that I am in relationship with, yeah. leaders that I'm in relationship with, and they would authenticate those words as being truthful. You see what I mean? Absolutely. As a time and time again, if, if we're going by, well, we judge a, prophecy according, a prophet according to his prophecy, and that's the way that we're going to be able to distinguish if, if it, solely if that is if he's a prophet because his prophecies, quote unquote, come to pass. Then I wouldn't have to release the prophecy to the greater body of Christ. I could just release it to certain individuals, and they would say, "Oh, well, this came to pass. This came to pass. This came to pass. This came to pass." The reason that you release prophecy, at least I do, mm -hmm. in the way that I do through social media, is because I want people to know that God is still speaking today. Wow. And I want those things to be authenticated by the timestamp on the internet. Right, right. But even now I can't, you know, I can't really do that anymore. Because of what like Facebook has done to me, like changing dates on my on videos that I do, changing dates now on um, even posts that I put up, um, it's very it's it's become like more difficult. Because I would go back and I would look, and when you find videos that say that they were produced in 1969, because you have so many hits on your on your stuff on on social media. And they know what you're doing, 
it, it get, you, can't, you can't say, hey, you know, I said this three years ago because now that video says, oh, I said that in 1969. Right, right. So that was a part of your strategy in releasing prophetic words using some, something like social, social media. media. Because, you, because the, the time it stamps... You create a record. A record that cannot be changed. But now uh, the records are intentionally being changed, changed. To, mess with, um, to mess with your audience, to mess with the algorithm. Yeah. Especially because everything is algorithm-based. And so they're, using, they're changing dates in order to right. uh, disqualify posts to keep it out of people's feeds. Right. And, and that's t- that is because most of my words up until this point have been uh, governmental words over nations concerning... Um, elections or concerning things that are going on in different countries, uh, things that the Lord has shown me over over, over the years. Um, that's why. So some people, some people may never experience that. They may not even, they may be watching this or watch this later and never know anything about that because they're, and I'm not trying to be mean, but their words, they don't, they don't have the... Um, specifics that a lot of the things that I over the years have I've put in. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and okay, let me ask you this: um, already, I mean, going back weeks now, um, right when the media announced, because the media, by the way, the media gets to announce now who the president elect is before the electoral college. So the media. Uh, they get to make these calls. The media is so wonderful and so grateful for how much power they've been given, this, the non-biased, the independent media, you know, who we now find out aren't so independent with all of the Project Veritas. And, and I want to get into that. But, my, okay, my question is uh, for you, Charlie, that when pe- weeks ago when people started um, getting onto your Facebook saying that you need to repent for missing this prophetic word on the current election when we are still waiting for the official results on the election. So for these Christians um, that, uh, that see their responsibility to judge the prophets on, uh, because, uh, on, on Facebook or wherever else, and a lot of Christians that, um, uh, that are basically kind of standing with, um, with uh, social media rocks, waiting to stone prophets. And I, and, and I want to ask you about this because stoning prophets is, uh, is just as popular now in the 21st century as it was um, in the first century and, and before, you know, going back to the... And, and the idea is, is that when a prophet is not accurate, that biblically they should be stoned. Like I've heard Christians say it before, like, well, we're going to stone the prophets when they get wrong. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is that um, the prophets suffered cruel and horrible deaths and their accuracy. When you look at Isaiah and you look at how he died, when you look at, like, these guys were, um, were treated ho- horrendously, not because they're inaccurate. So there's, there's always been a demonic assignment to take out the, the vehicles that God uses to create his kingdom realities on the earth, and that is the prophets, in that God does nothing unless he first reveals it to the prophets. It has to be spoken before it can be made manifest. So here's my question, bro, that when people prematurely in their childish uh, immaturity uh, 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 attack um, legitimate 
prophets, do you think that that is actually partnering with an antichrist spirit to prohibit what God is trying to birth on the earth? And do you think that there are many Christians that are being used unwit unwittingly, unknowingly, ignorantly, they're actually partnering demonically to silence what God is trying to birth on the earth through the prophets? Or do you think I'm just being a little dramatic? <laughs> I think that uh, Antichrist is anything that's against the anointing, right? And um, I also think that there are some prophetic words that can never, when they're given, because of what is being prophesied, uh, it cannot be manipulated. For wow. instance... Um, you know, recently, uh, a prophetic word that I had actually given in December, um, the 31st, about an earthquake that was going to hit Turkey, that was going to be a major earthquake. It was going to be a major earthquake that was going to hit this year. Okay, you and I cannot control that earthquake because we, that's a natural disaster. Humans cannot control natural disasters. So that word is going to happen. You understand the, exactly the way that it's said. Okay. But election can be manipulated. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So if, and I learned that not this year. I learned that in 2018. So something happened in 2018 where you gave a... Well, a I gave a very specific word concerning the midterm election in 2018 of the United States. Now, that wasn't my first time giving election words. In fact, if you go back and people can trace this back, I gave a prophetic word for the nation of Kenya that they would actually have two elections in the, exact, in the same year. I gave very specific, accurate details of what would happen, even down to the very handshake that would transpire through a changing of power. Wow. Every, the whole leaders in that nation know that there is no way, other than God giving me that word, that I could have known the things that would happen. And that was played out through a, a large amount of time. I've given uh, prophetic words over uh, Malaysia. Many people know about that um, concerning their election and everything that was spoken happened exactly like I said it would. So, you know, that wasn't, this isn't my first time, you know, the Lord speaking to me about um, prophetic, uh, pro prophetically about elections, but 2018 was very unique and in that when, um, I was actually in Kenya doing a crusade when the midterm election was happening. And the Lord had spoken to me very specifically concerning that election and what would happen. And what I spoke didn't happen. So during that time, because I, I said, obviously what I, what I was shown did not happen, I have to say, hey, I'm sorry. It looks like I missed it. Right, right. But what people don't know is that I actually went, man, I was really 
torn during that moment because I had known the Lord who had spoken to me concerning that election. And I was like, I'm going to, you know, Lord, you told me this. This did not happen. And I'm sitting there. And that's when the Lord spoke to me that there had been a manipulation in the election. And then at the exact same time that I was given that, uh, I was given a prophetic word concerning two events that would take place, very, very uh, well documented. Number one, that the President Bush Sr. would die in that month and that it would be a direct result of what had taken place in the midterm election. And secondly, that they would attempt to uh, impeach the president, President Trump, but their impeachment would not work. Both of those things happened exactly how the Lord had shown me that they would happen. I got that word at the exact same time that the Lord had told me that that election had been manipulated. So then going into this uh, election, I, it, when, it, when I saw it the way that it, way, way that it played out, this time I was not going to back down because I believe now here we are standing a month later, we can clearly see, although the media, the mainstream media, does not want to say that there was any election fraud, we can sit here and look at all the evidence all of the people that have signed affidavits and hundreds, say hundreds of people now. hundreds in in various states and we can say without danger a shadow of perjury if they yeah for me without a shadow of a doubt that this election was manipulated that there was there was manipulations in the election and for me and, the, and yet the, the media keeps saying and uh that there's no proof in fact, if, if you, so you have, you, have two, you have two major regimes right now. You have media and you have socialist media, which is, you know, socialist media is um, Facebook and Instagram, all these places where if you even use the term election fraud, immediately you get red flagged um, because you've used a term that they deem as, as inaccurate when there are court cases with um, mountains of evidence. Right. Hundreds of people sworn to tell the truth, unless uh, 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 they commit perjury right. and go to prison, right? And uh, and so we are waiting for judgments on this. And yet, if you say election fraud, um, it's it's inaccurate. With yeah, the mountains of everything every day. There's so much, and um, uh, and you've got deliberate censorship that's being taken place. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's written. It's not just an election that's being rigged, but all of the social dynamics in our in our cultural construct that's controlling the narrative as far as what we're allowed to even have in any sort of uh, public forum. Right, and so and, and so. And we by the go, way, we've already been flagged, so this is on YouTube, you know. And so this, even this episode, has already triggered whatever algorithms because just because we're having uh, uh, free speech. A conversation that should be protected under a convers uh, under our constitution, right. but it's not protected because we're doing it on a platform that's privately privately owned. 
Okay, so there's so many different directions, so many different <laughs> sorry, things sorry. I, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. Okay, so and 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 everybody that watches this episode, you're watching right now, you can fact check everything that I'm saying saying right now. Find out those that are watching. Go and see. Just go to Google, or I I would say go to uh, DuckDuckGo as a search engine, and see how much the Chinese government paid into different branches of our media for manipulating the narrative of what's being spoken. We're talking millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that was spent from the communist Chinese government and, and it's been, I, I mean, I can pull up the news article. I believe it was- And these uh, are dollars, um, trackable dollars from China to mainstream media media groups companies media companies including the new york times including uh you know a time magazine many many different ones mm -hmm. that were uh that were given from just the month of september up until the election they were they were releasing funds into uh, the media. So who controls the media controls the narrative. So I, I, I'm just here I'm to saying, say- According to one report, the Chinese regime has invested as much as $1.3 billion annually to increase state media. So you have a you have a communist American newspapers receiving nineteen million communist nineteen million dollars Wall Street Journal two point eight just Boy, read off the, the numbers because yeah. I don't believe that people actually that uh, that are in our circles of Christianity are willing to admit that our media the mainstream media is being bought and paid for by a socialistic nation, okay? Now, and the reason I say socialistic nation is because while they call themselves communists, communism is a form of utopianism. Okay. So anything that we've seen in the earth today is not a true communistic expression of what Marx talked about. Whether we are saying China or we are talking about Russia, they were socialistic nations, all right? And so what did Mao do? Mao killed 72 million people. That's what socialism does, all right? What did Stalin do? Stalin in one single year killed seven million Ukrainians, starved them to death. At the end of the World War II, it is estimated that he killed 24 million of his own people. That's what socialism does. And so we have also a narrative in Christianity that we are as the church to remain silent on 
issues concerning the government right. because we are Christians and we are not a part of this governmental structure. We're a part of another one. I believe through that we have enabled things that were never supposed to be to transpire in the earth, including things like abortion up to birth. Right. I mean, you... And don't, and, and, don't you and, think that part of that is um, that we were trained up to this present point, told specifically that we couldn't. So being a pastor and also having my own nonprofit, um, part of the process in setting up that nonprofit originally was that I was agreeing to not use that nonprofit for any sort of political stance because of the Johnson Amendment, which I believe went into place in uh, 54. And so what that did was it immediately muzzled, like you could see legally muzzled leaders in the church to keep them from talking about elections and election choices, um, that they could talk about the issues, but, but a lot of pastors and leaders just wouldn't. They've avoided the issues. So I almost wonder, there's been like this, um, this, under, this, 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 uh, like this, uh, training this subconscious training that in the church that's just you don't talk about that you don't talk about your I remember I went to a church for a while the pastor was like I vote for Jesus in every election and the church was like yay you know right. and he was serious like he would literally write in Jesus uh, for the president you know and uh, oh, oh, okay so let me touch on something else all right this is a narrative that's being played right now that God is neither Republican or Democrat, sure, sure. he is holy. Sure. And prophets should not be political. Sure. Okay, I wanna say this, every person that's watching this right now, me, myself, I'm not political. I don't subscribe to either Democratic Party or Republican Party, I subscribe to the ones that God has singled out as righteous and those people that the Lord has said were supposed to be in those positions, those, are the, those have been the, the positions that I have taken myself. Even if they were not necessarily someone that I agreed with. For instance, when I gave the word, he actually gave it in this church, about South Korea, the South Korean president right. would be Moon. Right, that's right. Well, Moon is not, he's definitely not a uh, conservative by any means, but the Lord said that God would use Moon. Wow. And now here we are years later, and we see that God used President Moon to connect President Trump to the North Korean dictator, wow. so all that stuff can transpire. Wow. So when you pull back and you look at each prophecy has, is almost like a puzzle piece that fits in together, and that one party is not more righteous than another party. Somebody can uh, you know, look on a search right now and see how many Republicans that have worked in the Senate, have been governors or worked in, in any form of our government that have either been charged 
or in, are in jail right now for pedophilia, they would be shocked. In fact, the Speaker of the House after Gingrich is actually, I believe, still in, pr in prison because of the things that he did with eight-year-old children. Wow. So it's not a, for me, it's not about a political party. It's about bringing righteousness and the kingdom of God back into a nation because I believe that God specifically and the founding fathers of this nation, while they had issues and they had problems and there was things that weren't right during the time periods, they did the best that they could. I know one thing that uh, George Washington didn't kill you know, 24 million people. I know that he, you know, you, are you following me on this? Yeah. I mean, our nation was a nation that was founded by men that believed in religious freedoms. And the lie of the enemy is to sit back and allow this nation, the, probably the last beacon of hope, to be destroyed and brought into this system that's working all around the world, which I believe is a one-world government. And if you can't see it by now, then you, all you have to do is just do a bit of research. It's like when, when Biden said his theme was going to be build back better, build back better with Biden. No, build back better with the UN. Because Build Back Better was a theme that the UN did, papers from the UN, in 2017. I didn't realize that. That's really interesting. And so that's why you have, uh, you know, Trudeau. You have uh, Boris Johnson. You have other leaders. Even the Pope came out and said, Build Back Better now. Really? They're all dropping, all these leaders all, around the world are yeah. dropping that tagline. It's not even a very good tagline. No. Like, build back better. I was like, wow, who came up with that? So, so in, 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 I mean, it's pretty evident what, what everybody, what, what's happening. And to remain silent about these issues when you see our freedoms are literally being stripped away in that if we don't say anything right now, we're never going to say anything. I mean, you know, I was talking to you today about how you have President Bush in 2004. He signs the BioShield legislation, which is, uh, a, is a branch of the military that helps to shield the United States from bioterror. And from 2004, because of 9-11 because of what happened on 9-11 in, in 2004, he signs legislation that Fauci was there. Fauci stood before the, before the Senate that has cost the American people $50 billion, and yet they could not shield us. On a bio-shield. Just a bio-shield act that, that, that is supposed to protect America from from forms of bio warfare including vaccines and viruses 
And anybody can look this stuff up. It's not like, I, you know, and, 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 and when people say, oh, conspiracy, it's not conspiracy. It's, you can look all these things up. It's very simple. Just Google them. They're right there in plain sight. But the church hasn't looked. And so we go, why is it that we spend $50 billion and yet the government cannot shield us from a virus that is 98% there is a recovery rate for? And right now, we're running around with masks on. And I'm not denying that there's not a virus. But what I am saying is that the church should not be taking a back seat. And if we think that this is the hour where the church is going to be, well, we're just going to, it's an online revolution. Wait. Just wait. Because as soon as the amendment, the amendment is taken away, then that is going to even strip you and I of more freedom where we cannot say what we want to on these platforms because we, will, we won't be able to have that freedom of speech because now those platforms will be liable for everything that is said. Did you, you, you yeah. realize that? Yeah. So I, I understand what the president is trying to do and in that he, he's trying to make it where uh, they're not allowed to block certain things. But what that amendment does do is it allows people like you and I who are, could be considered private journalists to be able to say what we want to say. Once that's gone, we, we, we don't have that anymore. So I don't know if people that are actually you know, following that narrative understand that once that is gone, you and I won't even be able to really have the conversation that we're having right now. We still live in the freest country in the world. There are nations that, I, that I've been to that the church is literally underground. We have, they have absolutely no voice. They have absolutely no say. And we're at the brink where we could see a nation that was founded upon God, literally the entire thing break. I mean, there's so much we could talk about right now. I mean, look at the fact that the Supreme Court one vote saved us from it being a, a precedent that every single church in the United States should be closed. And I said it from the beginning. I said, has there ever been, I said this at the beginning of the pandemic, I said, has there ever been a time in the United States history where every single church was commanded to be closed by the U.S. government. And man, you should have, I, I, I took down the post. I should have never taken it down because of the amount of people that were coming against me saying it's, you know, it's not, the government isn't telling us this is because of this, this is because of the pandemic, this is that. We're trying to shelter people. And I know at the beginning we didn't know what it, what, what it was. But it, what, what's interesting about that is, um, is that uh, when the Spanish flu um, hit the world, and uh, I believe it was around 50 million people, does that number sound right? With the, um, with, when the Spanish flu, would you, you know, like it was, it, was, it was major. I believe that churches were uh, ordered to close. And 
I, sh I should just Google it, we get years, but uh, 1918 or so, somewhere in there with the Spanish flu, I think. I'm, that's just the number that comes to mind. The difference is that, that the Spanish flu targeted everyone. It was an equal opportunity killer. It was a, it was a true pandemic that was killing men, women, children, senior citizens. And um, versus ordering churches to shut down, even with um, uh, just watching the, the, the breakthrough today when Cheon posted on Instagram that he was given a letter from the Supreme Court saying that now they will hear, after being denied, now they will hear his case and to not worry, they can continue to meet, and that the that Newsom, Governor Newsom's threats that Che, that Papa Che would receive a year in prison for hosting church, and his pastoral team a thousand dollar fine, and that his congregational members uh, could be arrested. They have all of this in writing. He received a letter from the Supreme Court saying, "We will hear your case, and basically, don't worry." Your people will not be arrested. We will hear you. And so because of all of this happening and crazy stuff happening in our state, or um, because of a global pandemic with a 99% uh, survival rate. So for people to compare the Spanish flu versus COVID, so 50 million people right. worldwide versus they're saying we could hit Maybe 300,000 by Christmas. Right. 300,000. I mean, not even half a million. Let, I mean, now every life matters, and I'm not trying to put that down, but 300,000 versus 50 million. Right. You can't, you, that's, you can't come, there is no comparison there. Like, so to say, well, so, like, churches did shut down in, in 1918, but, like, there is no comparison, and there is no justification to isolate people and to say, you have to stay. You might be young and healthy and vibrant, but no, you have to. You are not allowed to go to church. You're not allowed to have your, your own family over to your house for Thanksgiving. Isolate. That is... You know, and um, because of a global pandemic with a 99% survival rate. Right, and, and also, like, you know how many people right now, because of everything being locked down, how many people have starved? Not even died from the pandemic, but just starved to death. So I, th I think we need to reassess some things. in the Because way of poverty or fear of going to the grocery store? <laughs> Because of complete and utter lockdowns in other nations. Oh, okay. Wow. And so if, and, and, and for months we're sitting here going, the, the news is telling us how great China's doing. And I'm going, China's not even giving you the real numbers. I'm not, I, I, I've been around the world. So I, I've been to China. So I can tell, I, I, I mean, I've just been there. So I just know they're not telling you the truth. But, but, you know, we have people that are like, oh, yeah, well. In a country that builds facades for, for buildings, and then you go into the building, and it's, it's, Nothing. Not, it's not even a real building. Nothing. And we're going to believe what the reports that they're giving to us. Right. So It's the Truman Show. Yeah, I mean. It's a movie set. And, and 
the COVID thing is real is is an interesting topic, you know, because um, I I've heard people say that that no, no there's there's no prophet that it said anything about right the pandemic. Right. I don't know how many times I've had to post it online. And that's why I've been so very adamant. Now, not everybody's going to be my personality, and I, I, I get that. I understand that. But in my in, in bold and just my mannerism and the way that I am, the, I, I'm just built this way. I'm built hard because of some of the things that I've seen traveling around the world. And, and I'm just a radical person. I'm a radical Christian. I can't help that. This is the way I'm going to be. But when you tell me that nobody saw the pandemic, then you obviously didn't see the word that I released two years ago where the Lord said there would be a pandemic that would come. It would be bioterror. We know now that it, was, it is bioterror. It came out of Wuhan lab. I said it would come out of a lab. I said it would come and it would challenge and the church would need to stand in that hour. And the Lord said to those that would stand, they would be given a mantle of life. And I said to the Lord, when I saw that mantle, I said, what, who's, did anyone, has anyone ever worn this mantle? And he said, John G. Lake wore this mantle and I will give it to a generation that will stand. Wow. And that's wow. why I've been so adamant to stand during this time and listen, it isn't like we, we haven't faced challenges. It isn't like we didn't have a friend, Jonathan, that was literally in the hospital moments away from death and fasting and praying for him to live. Right. It's not like we haven't had, right. you know, it's not like any, I haven't had people that are partners of our ministry that did not contact me and say, I have COVID, you know, this and this and this, you know, or my family member is this and this. And I didn't begin to pray and fast and cry out to God for them. You know, that like, this is not the hour to sit back and be passive and just say, well, you know, when this passes, I really believe, and I'm excited about it actually. I believe that God has been looking at this time and, 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 and God's saying, you know what? These, the, the, the church has passed the test. There are those that passed the test. And then there are those, let's just be honest, there are churches that are never going to open again. That's right. They're just not. Yeah, there's churches that were, that, I mean, we just had a conversation just this last week about church just right here in town. Um, that, that's having to close down. And it was a church that, that's had an amazing impact on our city and, and community. And they just, they just couldn't make it work and are having to close their, you know, and this is a, a very, this is a gospel-centered, community-centric, you know, outreach church that's having, and, and we're, hearing, we're hearing those stories and we're seeing those stats. Yeah. I don't mean successful churches. I, there's a church that was super successful in New York, and their pastor is gone now because of scandal. There are so many things that are happening right now, mm -hmm. and I believe what God is revealing during a, this dark time is he is revealing his dread champions. He is revealing his church in this hour because we're about to see one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit 
that any generation has ever seen. And we are built for this hour. God chose us to be here. He could have chosen anybody to stand in this moment in history, but he decided to bring us here for this particular time. Let me ask you, bro, because we were talking about this whole thing of like, we, we, like having done all like stand, stand for, right? Put on, put, put on the armor of God, right? Uh, that whole thing. And now here we have an opportunity to stand. And uh, for a lot of us, I'm sure there's been opportunities where we, where we have like s- stood strong and other times when it felt like we were somewhat defeated and like, like, had, had, like just trying to do everything um, to keep staying. And we're <laughs> trying to figure out this whole thing of like what it means to be a leader in the church right now and, and, and how disappointing it is to see leaders who, who we maybe, we, uh, maybe we're part of churches and we want our pastor to take a stand, but he's not. And, or maybe we're part of denom- denominations, or, and we want to see, um, or maybe there's other people, and they're, and they're not really connected to anything or anyone, and they're just the Facebook, they're, 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 they're ripping everything, you know, on, on Facebook. And, what, and we're seeing churches shutting down, and we're also seeing a lot of Christians with their Glock 9s on, on, just taking shots at the church. Right. My question, bro, is like, obviously there needs to be like a true awakening and a true revival where there is, where there is a reas- where there is literally an assembly of God. And I don't mean that in a denominational, I mean where it's literally a God assembly. Mm. And uh, I'm getting like, I'm a little bit nervous about this whole thing because like you and I are gonna be on the same page. Like people, people need to, 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 to get a roar. They need to find their roar. Like they need to figure out. But I'm also concerned about people that are all, that are all bark and no bite. And people that are in their pajamas at home, not connected to anything, that are just um, creating a lot of noise that looks kingdom and it looks like whatever. And, and but, but, but it's, it's just as unhealthy as passivity. I guess there, my question is, is do you think that there is just like this super self-righteous, aggressive spirit that's in the church where it's just like throwing hand grenades and everywhere, just kind of destroying everything. But then there's also these passive people that are just like, why can't we just all get along? They aren't standing up for anything. And like, what is it like, what, like, what it, like, what is God really trying to do um, right now? right now i mean what do you think the, what do you think a key is i mean because i'm seeing things the passive thing bothers me right like more now than than ever because i, I kind of got it in that first three months like 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 that i kind of understood that during that time right now that really that really bothers me but also what bothers me just as much are um are people that that are these very loud 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 people that absolutely have no authority or commitment or responsibility, but they feel empowered to just go, you know, to, to destroy with their words, thinking that that is what taking a stand is. Here's the question. It took me a while to, to externally process. What does it mean to actually take a stand right now? Like, what is that, what does courage actually look like right now? Wow, that's a deep question, because I, I, I think that if you're just taking shots at things, and you're taking shots from the outside, um, then you're you're missing it the point completely. 
right? So I'm not here and I'm not going to, um, I don't want to be upset in the sense of pastors that close their churches. Because I, I myself, and you know me, I'm very much a local church person. Mm. Like I love the church and I especially love local churches. So for that was one of the things that kind of tweaked me a little bit was that, oh, everything's going to go online now. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and knowing that there are places in the world like China that are, are not able to have an online church and knowing that that could possibly happen here. Now, people say, well, that'll never happen in America. America's a very young nation. That's right. This, this republic is very young. You know, the concept of what we're doing here is, is very, is, is, is very uh, fragile, especially right now. And so um, I believe that there are places and, and people that are on the earth that um, their pastors have had to stand and have had to continue to stand in the midst of what is taking place and they've had to navigate and some of those people have had to face harsher things than others. For instance, if you're, if you're a pastor in a one, one state, it would be much easier for you to be open than other states. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're a pastor in California you're ha- and, you're, and you're saying, I'm, I, I'm standing against this, it, it's a much more difficult process than, say, somebody that's standing in another state like Florida, Florida or Tennessee. Sure. You know? Um, but this is what I do believe, Darren. I do believe that at the beginning of this thing, had there been hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of leaders and pastors that would have stood up and said simultaneously, at least in the United States of America, no, we will not shut our doors, then the government would have had no choice to step back and call the church essential. That's right. That's that's what I agree. I agree. I mean, why is it that Walmart is essential? How many people are in Walmart? Do you know why Walmart's essential in uh, First Church of what of the the three crosses is not essential? Because Walmart is a corporation with lobbyists that are pushing billions of dollars into the U.S. government. 
and Three Cross Church does not have the political power that Sam Walton and Walmart has. And it would be the same thing that would be true with, um, with the marijuana industry. And so we see that just this last Friday that, uh, that marijuana was um, basically, you know, the, the House of Representatives decriminalized marijuana because from my understanding is that federally it has, it has been basically illegal in our country, but from state to state, the citizens have voted. But they have, how, how, how has that happened just recently? Through millions and millions of dollars of lobbying, of lobbying power. Right. And so, so that was interesting as well. Looking at, you can look at the, this huge, these huge corporations like Walmart, but even these small little weed shops were empowered to be open during a global pandemic because of massive uh, wealth and lobbying power taking place at our different heads of, uh, within Olympia all the way to Washington, D.C. here in, in uh, Washington State. But going, going back to this whole idea of taking a stand, because I think this is really important. And I think it's super important for, for leaders right now. Leaders are we, are, we are waking up right now. Not all leaders, but to the degree, this, this is what I believe, to the degree that we wake up. Like, there is a wake-up call. Right. And if we don't wake up, I don't think, I, the, the churches that, I, I, I truly believe the seeker-sensitive church is now dead. And I'm not speaking metaphorically. Dead. But is there anything wrong with that? With saying that? With, with saying, saying that the lukewarm, the spiritually dead church, at least in America, is, in my opinion, is never coming back again. The, yeah, the consumeristic version of church, I don't believe, can survive. It's not going to because it was seen as non-essential. Well, and, there, and the revolution has begun. And, 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 and all things lukewarm will not survive. So we're talking about just, not just a lukewarm church, but a lukewarm stance when it comes to morals will not survive. A lukewarm stance when it comes to your political platform will not survive. That right now, it's about, there is a polarization that is taking place. And we might not like it, but lines are, it doesn't matter if we like it. The lines are being drawn in the sand right now. I'm hearing the term two Americas. That, right. that, uh, uh, I'm hearing the terms of civil war. That's, that's coming out um, um, every, every day. So, no, like, no, there's nothing wrong with saying that in this time the lukewarm church or consumeristic church won't survive because con consumeristic church was a Western convenience that you would never see in any sort of nations where there was a, a revival dynamic that was instigated by intense persecution. You're not going to go to China and sit in a church with 3,000 other people as there's a nice little Sunday morning drama that goes into, an, you know, you're not, you're not going to see that. It, does, it doesn't work. Right. And now we're in that same dynamic here in America. For, for the very first time in my generation and generations before, that the church is actually seeing persecution, like governmental persecution. Right. And in that place, do you think that your, your like church as a Sunday morning hobby, that, that's gonna, that, that you're either going to get saved in this time or you're, or you're going to go, but you're going to go. 
there's going to be a pulling away. And so, man, leaders have, we have leaders. We have to wake up. Right. And, 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 and so here, here's, here's, and I didn't originate this statement. I heard Tiff Shuttlesworth say this. A righteous man does not answer to an unrighteous man. And so when we're talking about you should submit to the government, see, it's so weird because you have people that are saying you're not supposed to be involved in the government, but you're supposed to submit to the government. And then when it comes to your First Amendment right, that doesn't matter in, right. the, in, in the face of what we're facing. What you're telling me is, is in a sense, is this is that the government cares more about life than the church does, which is a complete right, lie. Right, right, right. Because right. if you cared about life, then you wouldn't have the governor of Virginia doing an interview and saying that you can birth a baby out of the womb and we're going to keep him comfortable. And then we're going to decide with his southern accent, well, then we will decide whether his life is viable or not. And the mother and the father will sit down and there will be a conversation and we'll keep the baby comfortable and then, and then we're going to murder the baby. But the thing is, is that he doesn't say murder. He says terminate it. So you mean to tell me that the U.S. government cares about your life when you can birth a baby and then we can sit down and have a conversation whether we can terminate that baby and why are we terminating that baby? Because it's legal to abort children in this nation and then sell their body parts. Let's just be honest about it. Because that's what's happening. And when you have a governor, like Governor Como, in New York City, that sits there and smiles and passes legislation that murders a baby up until nine months in the womb, and you are a Christian, and, you're, and you're, you see... You see Nothing wrong with that because you go, I don't like what President Trump has to say on his Twitter because he's mean. Man, we're, we're getting into some stuff tonight, man. I'm telling you. You're telling me that because President Trump is mean, that you're like, you know, and President Trump signed in September a presidential... Um, I can't, I can't think of the name of, of what it's called. Uh, Sun executive order saying that the governor of Virginia is no longer allowed to have babies birthed out of the womb and then, dis, and then, and then the doctor and the parents are going to decide whether they terminate that child or not. He, he did an executive order saying that you can't do that anymore. And then you're going to say, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not going to, he's mean. 
there's so many things that are going on, dude, that it's like mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing. I mean, I mean, look at the Afghanistan war. We've been there for 19 years. How many people have died? And, and Trump wants to pull everybody out, right? The only reason that we stay there, why do you think we stay there? I know why we stay there. Because of the opium that's in that country. Because I can look at charts and see from 2001 where it's literally like this, and it literally goes like this. The opium trade. Hmm. Why do you think that we have a heroin epidemic in the United States of America? These things are not, they are not some kind of um, conspiracy theory. I'll tell you what conspiracy theory is. Conspiracy theory is uh, Y2K. Conspiracy theory is Q. What we're talking here is not conspiracy theory. What we're talking about here is real things that we can look at, charts that show us here is the poppy production in 2001 in Afghanistan. Here it is, and you know, the last one was done in 2016 or 2017, and it's literally shooting through the charts. So what is going on, and why do we not want to leave? And going back to the COVID, um, where we're projected to come in at Christmas time at close to 300,000 deaths, and then looking at how our how entire cities are shutting down, and where to the point where economists are saying that they're they're not even sure how some of these if some of these cities are ever going to be able to bounce back, and if they are able to bounce back, how long is it going to take? Just in Washington State, they're saying that. Um, uh, estimated 100,000 people just in our state are, are forecasted to lose their jobs before Christmas. 100,000 people just in Washington state forecasted to lose their jobs because of the most recent shutdowns. With, that's just because of the restaurants that are, that, that are being impacted and, and, and the, the new clo closures that Governor Inslee has put. So he put in all of these um, restrictions that are going to cost Washingtonians 100,000 jobs because of a pandemic that within our entire country has cost an estimate 300,000 at Christmas time when on average our country sees on average around and now just slightly under a million legal murders of the unborn like the legal slaughter of babies in the womb a million and we're not going to shut down a town for that we're not going to shut down a city for that let alone can you imagine shutting down an entire state um, uh, because of a million babies per year that's not even just Okay, right. well, one year that might have happened. No, no, no. This is happening every single year. And I thought it was, I, man, I, Christians can say whatever they want about Kanye, but Kanye on the Joe Rogan uh, show basically going into the agenda behind Planned Parenthood as being a racist organization when it was founded in order to um, engage with uh, population control within the African-American community. On average, a thousand 
Black babies are legally slaughtered a day by Planned Parenthood, right. and yet African Americans being exploited by the Democrat Party thinking this is the party that's on our side, that Trump is the racist, when Trump provided more jobs for the African American community than any president in our in our history. Right. And uh, and, and so to think that African Americans I feel like, this is my opinion, that they're being tricked into voting for a candidate that, that isn't just race, like racism, racism is horrible, right? We'd all agree racism is horrible. But what, uh, and, and, and I, you know, so there's racism where you're, you're, you have hatred in your heart for, for race. Yet, here is, here is a, 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 an institution that's saying, vote for us because we are on your side. Meanwhile, we are going to fund federally fund a institution that was started by racists in order to take out your race. Right. But the, but the party, the, that party is not the same party that it once was anyways. So the party that would have been 30, 40, 50 years ago is not the same party that it is today. It just is not. The, the, even when you look at who who are who are what which party is pushing war? The neocons. Who got us into more wars? Obama and Biden got us into more wars than even President Bush. Yeah, most people would say no, 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 no. The Bushes. The no, Bushes are the the war wrong. family. And Obama with all the Obama weapons. has nine wars under him. He also has. We also can thank his nine wars. Nine wars. You can also thank the administration of 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 Obama and Joe Biden for the crisis um, of refugees that have came to this nation. Do do you think that I want refugees to come to the nation? I do. You want to know why? Because I believe that America. It, the the basis of America is bring me your poor, bring me your helpless, bring 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 me your broken. Me as a Christian, I've been to Syria, I've seen the devastation, I've been there. I've I've fed those families. You know, I've wept with those people, right there. A hundred, a uh, hundred and sixty something bombings in one year. I know what that is. Who, who, who's the, who can we thank for that? We can thank the administ that administration for giving us that. I have no problem in saying that. I can also say without a shadow of a doubt that we can thank what is happening in North Africa to this day. In Libya, the North African slave trade, we can thank Obama and we can thank Biden for that because they went into Libya and took out Gaddafi because they wanted to put an oil pipeline through that country. And today, right now, as we sit here, there are people that are being traded on an open slave market. Wow. Wow. So these are issues that we don't want to talk about because, because and, and, and this probably get me into a lot of trouble, the conversation that we're having right now. I mean, let's be honest, because these are kinds of things that we, sh we should just, we should not say. But we're at this point right now where we can't be quiet anymore. And I have many African-American friends that, 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 
you know, are not for this, that are not for, the, for, for, the, for that, for any of that. So that's even a false narrative. You know what I mean? It's like this whole thing of, there's so, I, I've had so many of my friends that have come up to me and said, you know, um, we want to see, a, we, we, we're, we're voting righteously. We're voting, we're voting righteously. But, but the thing that you said about, about children, like I, I actually posted, I said thousands of children murdered in America today from abortion. No senators weeping, no flags flown at half mass, no media outcry over, over injustice, no riots in the streets for change. Just another day in America. Just another day. Wow. And that's where we're at right now. So then you have Trump, and you have uh, this uh, huge narrative, the most hated president in America's history. But who created that narrative? And I shouldn't even say it. It's not even a true statement. It's because it, it's a it's a um, it's like this illusion. Because look at the number of people that voted for. Him. But I would say it's like the most outspoken hatred. And, and, and the largest coup, perhaps against, as far as seeing an entire, all the cultural elites really turning. While, meanwhile, there's like all of these people in our, in, our in our country that are like, we're voting for this guy. We believe in this guy. But yet all the cultural elites basically saying, like hating him with a venomous, like this vehemence, like uh, hatred. Like, like just, just watch the view. <laughs> you see those guys, like, they're like just like. Like they're like snakes on that shit. Every morning, just like you know, and, and and then and what's interesting is that when you look at President Trump, he's not. People say, you know, he's not um, a politician. Well, it's, it's beyond that. It's not that he's just not a politician. And th that's how I think he got into office. It's because everybody underestimated him because they looked at him through politician lenses. Right. You know, and he's not a politician. And he's also, he doesn't have that typical kind of presidential kind of thing. But he's also, he's not a Democrat, but he's also not really a Republican. And when you look at the amount of, of things that he's done for the pro-life community, the only president that's ever went to the pro-life rally in Washington, D.C., right? right. And, and, and the only president that, 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 that did a ban on, and to think that we're even having a conversation about post-birth abortion, to think that that's even a conversation in our country, that, that a woman can give birth to a baby, keep it alive, and then decide later if she wants to keep it or not, and that, 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 it, that up to this point, it took until President Trump to say that that's not going to be legal right. uh, in, our, in our country. So he, this guy, uh, President Trump, is and, a huge and, and, threat. And, and do you think that they have those rules in other countries? What, what, what country... I mean, maybe I, you're, we're, we're on this show no, together. You go, so you go. <laughs> what country do you think aborts more babies and has the, the least amount of legislation concerning the abort, uh, the uh, termination and murdering of children? The least amount of legislation around yeah, abortion? Yeah, I, I mean, the most freest uh, laws. Would it be like China? Nope. Israel. Really? Israel has the least stringent rules 
when it comes to the abortion of children. Is it just because it's just not needed because of the, the, the culture that they have there? The... We could look it up. I'm just telling you. Um, we could, we so what, could, it, what is it? We could look What's at that? it. Yeah. We could look at it. It's, I, I, but no, I don't think so. But, but, um, I mean, when you, when you think about, um, why would you want to allow the baby to go nine months before it's terminated and even be able to birth the child? Hmm. There's reasons. So do you think there's there's money involved in these things? There's money involved in it. You know? There's money also involved in war. Mm -hmm. Have you ever listened to um Eisenhower's farewell speech? No. It's the most fascinating thing. Like it's it's one of the most powerful uh, farewell speeches, one of the one of the best presidential speeches, and because what he is warning the American people against is this um, military industrial complex that he sees coming hmm. in America. That this there's there's this place where power can be corrupted and if that power is corrupted then the this beautiful thing that we call america can be destroyed hmm. um I, 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 not to throw my book in here, but there, there's a piece in my book on, on, on tra uh, Transfigured that I talk about because the things that we're talking about today, people would say, wow, Charlie, that's, that's really not mystical or that's not mystic. But um, I'm trying to think of the, per there, there, there's, I can't think of it. I'm sorry because it's later, late at night. Um, there's a certain scholar that I really enjoy. He talks a lot about the prophetic, but he also talks about mystics. Uh, Bergelman, I think. Uh, and he, he talks about how there is a section of mystics that also deal with social issues. Mm. Heisler? It's not Heiser. No, not it's Heiser. it's Ber it's Bergelman, I think. Um, I'd have to have my book with me because it's. Yeah. But but I I talked about that just in this yeah. certain section of of my book because I think that people uh, solely think of mystics or prophets as just simply being people that do not deal in social issues, but that is so untrue. Yeah. They deal when you look at Jeremiah, you look at Isaiah, you look at Ezekiel, you look at Daniel. They dealt in the area of social issues. They challenged the status quo. Now, when I read the prophecies of Jeremiah, 
I know that the word of the Lord came to him speaking. In other words, he was given information that there was no way that he could have known. We know that. But he would have had to have a bit of understanding what was happening in the government just by being a part of the society because he would have viewed society and seen it in, in, in the degradation in the place of poverty that it was going in the place of where it was going against the things of God, hmm. right? And he would have, it would have triggered him in some way. And then out of that, the Lord would begin to speak to him. And I don't believe it's any different than today. I believe that we are called as prophets to speak into the social issues, to awaken people's eyes to see what's happening as mystics, but also allow God to show us what he wants to see come to pass in the earth and begin to prophesy it, begin to decree and declare it, begin to... Um, begin to co-labor with God in number one, the waking up of people and then number two, to pray the things that God wants to see in the earth transpire, happen. Yeah, come on. Because along with, uh, it's one thing to deal with the issue of abortion and see that done away with. But that's for me, that's not where I stop because I also see that once that baby is born into the earth, what happens after that? Because we can, we can challenge the, the, the situation of abortion, but on the other end, see that the challenge of leaving a child in the ghetto. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. Without any hope or any, 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 any dream or anything, is also wrong. And so, man, there's so many things we're talking about tonight, right? I mean, we're hitting on so many different things, and I hope this is okay. But who do you think is the, is the child that is hurting the most right now in America? Who do you think is being the least educated right now during this pandemic? I'll let the viewers think about that for a minute. I know who it is. It's the kids that live in the inner city. Because the, because the elite of the nation, their kids can have private tutors. But the kids that are living in the ghetto don't get one. So it's not, it's, there, there's a lot of issues here that, we're, we, we're, that isn't going to be answered even just by voting along a certain party line. Because for me, I look at the parties and I see them as, as two sides of one coin. Mm -hmm. And that's why even, even we're looking and we're saying, why isn't this guy, he's, he's in this party, but he's doing nothing about seeing the election stolen. Why? I don't know. It's an interesting question because as long as they continue to uh, play us against each other on issues and, and we can say, this is wrong, and this is wrong as well. Mm -hmm. We don't agree with either one, and there has to be a change. 
Is it possible that uh, that that Donald Trump saw the had, had money, had fame, had the Apprentice TV show, uh, but wanted power, and went into the presidency thinking there's a possibility that I could be the, the leader of the free world. And do you think it's possible that he went into this thing with a certain amount of naivety and, and nobody really thought that he could actually do this, that he could actually make it? Um, up to the election day in 2016, the majority of people were saying there's no, there's no, way, there's no way he can actually do this. It's, Hillary's got this. this is the, the Clinton dynasty has this election made. All of a sudden, he gets voted in. Do you think there's a possibility that, that Donald Trump went into this thing like wanting one thing and then all of a sudden finding out, like all of a sudden being exposed to something far more sinister and far more corrupt than maybe he ever, maybe he ever imagined? And then in that moment, had to kind of figure out where he, where he was going to stand and what he was going to because it just feels like the way that he's governed it almost feels like he went into this thing a certain kind of way but the way that he's chosen to govern hasn't been really along party lines in fact he's stepped on a lot of toes in the in the republican party i mean even pulling the troops out of um you know out of the middle east you know there's a lot of uh, republicans that are up in arms you know about, or moving the embassy or moving in in, in israel Right. Yeah. So, like, and what I'm wondering is, is if he found all of a sudden there is this, there is a very strong globalist, actually anti-life, because this thing with abortion is actually a lot bigger than just the unborn, like you were saying. There's, there's like an anti, even an anti-humanity thing. Like well, an anti, there's like an anti-human thing. Well... The, uh, well, there's a couple different things you just said right there, right? So do I believe um, that Trump knew? No. But I do believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that God's hand is upon him. Mm. I have no fear in saying that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I know that because the Lord told me. And I can trace it all the way back to 2016, before the election, which is well documented, where the Lord had shown me, I think I told you about this, where I had seen the two um, women that were in the Miss Universe pageant. I had that, that, um, that dream where yeah. I was, did, do you remember me having yeah, this? Yeah, vaguely. And, and one was a Russian woman, the other one was an American woman, yeah. and, I, and the Russian woman was pregnant, and I, and, and, um, I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, uh, Russia has mishandled her child hmm. and it will be aborted. And then I saw the American woman rise. And that's the moment that I knew that God's hand was upon President Trump. Wow. And that's because I because I, I, I woke up from that dream and said, that's interesting. What is that all about? And I later discovered that um, President Trump was actually over the Miss Universe pageant. He actually owned it. Yeah. And there was all this symbology in there. You shared with me that story because I remember talking with you on the phone. I was actually concerned about Trump running for office. And there was a couple of dreams that I had had. And I was, and I was worried, is this guy really going to 
is this guy really going to be on our side? Right. I remember thinking, like, is, is this guy just fooling us? Did he just pick the Republican Party because the Republican Party is easy to manipulate? Mm-hmm. And I remember having these concerns and just being like, bro, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about this, this Russia connection, you know, and um, just being, I know we're live streaming, but, and I'm a pastor, but just being honest for a second, you know, I remember having concerns right? and sharing that with you. And you shared me this dream and you were like, no, no, bro, like, like God has chosen this, this guy. And I knew the Russia thing was a hoax because of that dream. I knew that there was something that was with Russia, wow. but it was wrong. Wow. But, but God's hand was on America. And I knew that Trump, um, men can be placed in power by other men, right? Yeah. Men can be put into power because, at least according to the Bible, because of succession. Meaning, because their father was a king, so now they get it. That doesn't, their father may have been righteous, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be righteous. They could be wicked. Sure. And the hand of God would be on one, and the hand of the Lord would not be on the other. Right? right. That's right. So if that leaves that open, I believe that God doesn't change. And I believe that God and his hand can be on a, a person that is leading a nation. That's right. And I can undoubtedly say right now that God's hand is on the president. That he has done everything that God told him to do. From pulling out of wars to moving the embassy, which God showed me two years before it ever even happened, that God was, that the embassy would be moved from, from uh, Tel Aviv into, into uh, Jerusalem. Wow. wow. There's so many things that, yeah. that, that you know. And, and just like, I think that there was, a, I think that there was a naivety in, in Trump. I think Trump was looking at all these politicians, like these guys are, are out of date and just, and don't have a clue, don't have any sort of pulse on the real world. And he was right. And in, in, his, in those initial speeches in 2016 and still in 2020, the dude can gather a crowd and what he says resonates in the heart of just of normal people who just right. don't like the machine. Right. And, um, but it's fascinating because going, he, so he, was vote, he, he received the election. He was considered uh, uh, president-elect because, because the Electoral College actually deemed him that, not the media. Right. And, um, but the, the intelligence agencies were going after him trying to be, because of this Russian collusion. And Trump, I think, being very naive, started just attacking him on Twitter <laughs> and going after the, the, the United States of America, you know, Central Intelligence Agency and the NSA, he was like going after these guys on Twitter. Twitter, and then um, Schumer on the Rachel Maddow show. Right. Okay. And, I, I was wondering if you were going to go here. Yeah. With this. And people can YouTube this. Yes. You just look up. Just search for Schumer, Rachel Maddow, Maddow show, um, Trump. You know, it, it'll it'll immediately come up. Um, she brought up these tweets, and and Schumer basically laughed and was basically. Like, he has no idea what he's doing. Right. And he basically said, the intelligence agencies has, 
have six ways from Sunday to get back at you. Right. He threatened President-elect Trump before even stepping into office. It wasn't a threat. It was a promise. Right. Stating that the, 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 that the, the spy agencies within our country were going to seek revenge against the president of the United States. And how did he know that? Because he'd been there for decades. Just like Biden has been in office for 47 years. And, they, and there's no term limits on the senators. They, they go there and they go there barely making any money. And how is it that they're literally worth millions and millions and millions of dollars on these senators, on the senators, senators, public, you know, Republican Democrats. You can uh, people can Google it right now. And, but you, top ten senators and how much they make, and look at those numbers and tell me that something is not, it, you know, isn't fishy with that. And yet there's still some transparency there because we know their names and they're, they're on C-SPAN and they're presenting bills and there's these different things. But you go deeper than that and you go into uh, our, our various intelligence agencies where we don't know their names and where and there is unelected. no term. They're unelected. There are no term limits. And, 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 uh, and you could say very little to no accountability um, in that, huge scandals have been exposed regarding these um, agencies and these people that basically reveal, that bring transparencies to these agencies. Um, they are treated as criminals and, and right. enemies of the United States. Right. It was interesting because it was under President Obama's administration where he promised whistleblowers protection. And then you have Edward Snowden who basically is, is, is a, a massive whistleblower and exposes huge scandal. And it was the Obama administration that, that went after him, all the way down to Biden himself, calling country after country, making threats that if you allow for Snowden to fly through your country, we're going to do all these tariffs and tariffs and all these different... Right. Know. And so, so, so the reason that Snowden today is in Russia is not because Snowden wanted to be in Russia. It's because Biden made phone calls to certain nations that he would have had to pass through. And if he would have went to those countries, he would have instantly been arrested, extradited to the United States, and who knows what would have happened. So now he's there. And what, what did Snowden get in trouble for? Snowden got in trouble for telling us that the United States government, through a law that President Bush enacted after 9-11, the Patriot Act, that it was an enablement for the government to spy on every American citizen. And that's what happened. And now he's stuck there. And... Not only that, but do you find it interesting that Apple has given the keys of the iCloud and is storing information 
in China and has given those keys to the Chinese government. Yeah, I, it, here's I mean, and we're not talking, again, we're not talking conspiracy here. We're talking mainline news articles that people can read for themselves right now where the Chinese government has been given access to the codes, the keys of the iCloud for Apple, because Apple... And your iCloud is where all your, all your text messages... All, all your information. All your contacts, email... Everything. Everything is stored in a cloud, not on a device anymore. Everything. And then what are the facilities that are building these phones over there? I mean, what are those facilities like? Right. In China. <laughs> right. I'm, I mean, I got my phone. I mean, I'm just as guilty, but I, I mean, as far as I know, there's suicide nets. As, as far as I know, there are even in China right now um, places where they house Christians, Muslims, people of other faiths for the um, reformatting uh, of their minds away from religion. They're literally slave camps that are there in the country. In fact, they have, wow. I believe, three wow. million Muslims uh, in, 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 in camps that are, you know, and who knows what's really going on in those camps. To reformat them. To reformat their minds. The mind, to be anti-faith, religion right. in general. Yeah, Going back to what our founding fathers saw for our country was that we would have transparency in government and privacy for our citizens and for our families. And that has been inverted. And I don't think that that's what people realize. And we do realize it because we, we hit agree to all these terms and conditions every single day that we've never read. We, we say we agree and we grant for our privacy to be violated. You cannot sign up for an app. You cannot sign up for an email service. And I would, I would imagine that the majority, I would say probably like 99.9% .9 of the people that, that watch and listen to this podcast do not read what they are agreeing to. And if they read it, they would probably hit disagree. I don't agree, which isn't an option. You don't agree, you don't get to use the service. So now where we're living is there is little to no transparency in the parts of government that really matter, which are the parts of government where we don't know their names, right. the parts of government where they're, where they're not voted into power. You know, I know a lot of people are looking at, at, um, at uh, Biden and they see this sidious, innovative creature with this huge demonic agenda to corrupt. Uh, I don't see Biden that way. I don't, I don't, I don't see uh, Biden as Gollum, like, yeah. Right. I don't see him that way. You know, I'm not, I'm, not really I'm not really concerned about, like, Biden as much as I am about that Absalom spirit in him where, where he gets to be put into a place of power. Meanwhile, the real power gets to use his passivity to bring forth an active uh, agenda. So I think people need to realize there's very little transparency 
in the parts of government that matter, but what should be private are our citizens, our churches, our homes, what we do with our lives, yes. and it's not. That everything that we are doing is being cataloged, stored, that the stuff that was exposed, you know, there has been some legislation that's taken place. It's, it's fascinating. Snowden is now a criminal, but because of what he has done, there has been some legislation to bring forth more transparency. But the, the, the truth is, everything that we are doing is being stored, it's being cataloged, and it can be used against you if you're seen as a threat to, to the system. Completely. And, and I think you're saying everything that needs to be said as far as Biden goes. Because it's not, Biden is just the face. It is what is behind the scenes that many people don't understand. It's the lobbyists. It's those people that are um, behind everything. The special interest groups. Right? So many people probably may not even know this, that um, President Trump actually cut off all the lobbyists and all the special interest groups while he was in office. And so for almost four years... And you wonder why he's hated. Why is he hated by all the corporations? Right, right. Why are they... Why, why is there this massive push we have to get him out why know? but why right but why we have to because because they've been cut off right so michael cohen is his is his lawyer right michael cohen you can look this up right anybody that watches this can look this up right now michael cohen was given money by at&t to speak to president trump about AT&T because there's all the lobbyists remember have been cut off at that time there was acquisitions that AT&T was trying to buy certain things and he, they wanted it to be approved so they actually paid Michael Cohen who is now in jail not because of anything the president did or any, because Michael Cohen corrupt but the, he was given money to simply mention things to the president really Wow, just to seed ideas and concepts and right. Wow. So, I mean, we, we there's so. Why is it that that you know um, there's so many things that are going on? I want to ask you about the video you posted recently. That, okay, uh, and it was actually taken down. Um, about basically kind of like the future of humanity. It was released by like the Global Environmental Initiation. I'm making up that acronym. Right. Um, but there was something that definitely caught my attention on that. And it was almost like... The World Health Organization. The, okay, so it, was, all right, so it was made by the World Health Organization. Yes. And it is their video that they posted. And it's their vision of the future. It's not just a prediction. It is the 2030 Agenda. Anybody can read it. It's, this is not a secretive thing. Agenda 2030. And did I miss something when they were talking about reducing the number of humans on the earth? 
Wasn't there something about that? Like there's there's reduction of humans. Reduction of humans. There is uh, the the things that really got them in trouble, and the reason that they removed the video mm -hmm. is because it said the beginning of the video says, uh, "You will own nothing." That's right. And you will be happy. Wow. It also said that wow. the United States would not be a world power. Wow, that's right. So, right? There's many other things. You'll eat less meat. There's, so, there, there's two agendas that are happening in the earth right now. And we've, we can see them because not, we're informed and we are also pray, prayfully being shown these things from the Lord. There is two narratives that go beyond even what's happening in the United States between two parties. There's two narratives. There is a narrative of the new creation of Jesus Christ, which you and I are a part of. Come on. We've been given a new DNA. We have been given sonship. And we have been given eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's right. No one can take that from That's us. Right. They may take our life. That's right. But they cannot right. take our salvation. That's right. Come on. The devil hates that. That's right. And at the same time, you have a transhumanistic agenda that is transpiring. The, and the next evolution of humanity, which has been spoken about since... Uh, you know, the year, it started, the, I mean, 2000. I can find articles from 2000. Now, people do need to Google that. this. Pe uh, people need to look this up because this is a term that many Christians have never heard of before, transhumanism. And, uh, and they might think that this is just some sort of Star, Star Trek concept. Um, but maybe you could kind of uh, explain it. And also... Um, as, as scary as it sounds, it is a concept that's actually being embraced and celebrated by many, many, many people within um, even just the, uh, the bio, um, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Within the greater health community, there is this, there is this celebration of integration with technology into our biology. And, and seeing um, how we can augment or optimize our condition by um, assimilating technology and perhaps even artificial intelligence. In, to assimilate artificial intelligence and technology, and we're seeing this even with uh, Elon Musk and, um, and his new company uh, with the link, the, 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 the neural link, People need, I hope that some of our listeners will actually YouTube some of these words that we're talking about. And like watch Elon Musk demonstration on YouTube with the pigs with Neuralink. YouTube transhumanism. This is not stuff that's going to be happening in 100 years from now. This isn't even stuff that's going to be happening in 30 years from now. This is stuff that's happening right now. And, and, right now. And, and I would also love to hear how you think transhumanism also could be tied to the days of Noah. 100, yeah. So um, the, as you said, these things are things that people can easily look at. You know, um, 
he literally just released about the BioLink, not even, I think, you know, year, what is it, a year and a half ago? Where they would just, the box in, in the brain and all the kinds of things that they would be able to do, but it's the integration of technology. And now it's the size of a, of a nickel, I think, or a quarter. Yeah, and, it, and it, it's not something that is not coming. I, I've seen... It's here. I've watched lectures of people that are just standing on the stage and they're talking about how AI technology cannot be controlled because it is a form of slavery. So once <laughs> AI technology reaches a certain place, we will have to let that technology live because it's actually a life form. Wow. And they can recognize that AI technology is a life form, correct? But they can't recognize that a fetus in a child <laughs> right, right. is a baby, right. is a life. You mean to tell me that we can go to, we can go to Mars? Because we're going to do that this century. And I'll tell you, when, when we're going to see the explosion, I prophesied it, I believe, three years ago. I talked about the moment that the woman places her foot on the moon. That's the, that, that is going to be the immediacy of the explosion of technology wow. like we've never seen. Wow. And that's coming. Wow. But there was an article written in Wire magazine. It's called Why the Future Does Not Need Us. And that was written in 2000. April the, April the 1st, 2000, it's very easy to find. And then the second one would, is a um, Washington Street Journal that was, um, that was released June 20th of this year, and it's called Looking Forward to the End of Humanity. Wow. They're not even trying to hide it. So wake up. It's call. just right there, right, right. And, in front and of listen me. to this: COVID nineteen has spotlighted the promise and peril of transhumanism, the idea of using technology to overcome sickness, aging, and death. So the eventual goal for those that are able is to be completely uploaded into. AI. You'll live forever. Sounds like in time wild fantasy. But that's the Wall Street Journal. That's not, you know, some Timothy LaHaye <laughs> in time book. Mark of the Beast. That's, that's the Wall Street Journal telling you the end of humanity, right? And, 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 and so I want to say this, Dan. Yeah. Does it have to be now? Or can a generation arise that is burning with the fire of God and say this is not the hour of, the, of, the, of darkness, of the Antichrist, and of the devil, but this is the hour of awakening and push that tide back and say, not in this time frame, not in this generation, 
Because we can look throughout history and we can see that there has been times within human history that people could, would have said, this is the end. We could have seen the, we saw these figures arise. You know what I mean? Yeah. But their generation pushed back the tide, you know, the, of, this, the, of these things. And I believe that revival is the thing that saved America. Because right during the Russian Revolution of, of 1917, with Lenin, you know, Stalin, during that whole thing that's happening, years before that, 1906, you have a one-eyed, blind black man who is in Los Angeles, California, and the glory of God comes in and births out one of the greatest moves of God that has really transpired on the earth since Acts chapter two. And the glory of God came in so thick that the children would play in the cloud of his presence. Wow. So I don't think that, it, see, I, I think we're looking at the power structure in the wrong way. Mm. We've believed that there are many people that are watching that feel powerless during this time. But really, through God, we're powerful. Because we have one thing the enemy doesn't have, and that's a direct relationship with the creator. And if the first is going to be the last, and the last is going to be first, and God did in the beginning the most powerful creative miracles and darkness and the glory sure. of God gov like literally hovered over the earth and he said, let there be light. God, if the first is last, the last is gonna be first and the greatest creative miracles that the world is ever, gonna, is ever going to see is gonna come through the hands of the church in this hour. That's right. And that's why we cannot back down because the world is going to see the witness of Jesus Christ through his church. And while it's dark and there's these two streams and veins of thoughts transpiring, the church is going to outshine everything that the enemy is trying to do. I am not against technology, but I am against using the, the technology through the force of darkness to create chains of bondage that cannot be broken off societies. And I'm willing to fight for the liberty of at least our nation as well as the nations of the earth. Yeah, I was just looking at Matthew 9, 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And when I was, I was thinking about this when you were talking, that he saw the people were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and helpless. And, and really what he was seeing is, Here's a people without any sort of protection, um, knowing that a shepherd would provide provision and protection for the sheep, and his heart was broken. And he's, and he's basically saying, pray that there would be shepherds. Pray that there would be, um, uh, there's, there, 
the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I think that this is part of, because we've talked about the wake-up call for leaders. That's, that's obvious. But man, there has, to be a, uh, there has to be an awakening in the entire body of Christ where we erase the, the, the lines between the clergy and the laity and where we stop thinking and we stop acting like dumb sheep and we realize that God is raising up an army of shepherds and that we, uh, every believer should have a shepherd's heart because mm. that's the heart of Jesus. And that if you're squawking as a right-wing Christian, but you're not shepherding anyone, you are in deception. And you, it, because dude, you can shepherd someone on, on Zoom. You, can, you right. can call someone to find out. But if you're in this place where, where you're, where you're, you're not connected, there, there's, there, there's no one that you're, because there are so many people that are harassed and helpless, there is a harvest. And we have got, Man, come on. We've got to see that it, that it is not the job of just Pastor Darren and Charlie, go, go get the harvest you got. No, no, no. This awakening is for the entire, we are called to be shepherds. Yeah. That, that, and, and so, like, my hope is that, that we would repent for any excuse that we have had for neglecting and advocating our responsibility and authority as sons and daughters of God mm. on the earth. 100%. Because I think that's the thing. We can't just sit back and... Now, you, you and I, I think, I think it is okay for us to look at passivity and leadership, and, and it is okay to judge that. Right. But it is not okay. If you and I were neglecting and being passive in our own calls, and if we were not connected with anything, and if we were just opinionated... You know, if we're just getting on here, just being opinionated, just just for the sake of that, right? That that there's no fruit in that, right? But you represent a generation of people. You are knit into something. Paul would say that we are called to be a body, like a literal body. Right. We've got a function. We've got a part to. We've got a part to play. I mean, I just think that, like, right now, as we finish out this year that we realize that the way we finish this year is going to be the way we start next year, that we, we have to finish well. And that's why when we started this, people are going to think, man, you guys started this thing off. You both said that you were so excited. They're going to be like, Charlie, you said that you are so excited. Darren, you said you are so excited. And then you got into all of this. What people don't realize is that you came into town this week not to preach at Seattle Revival Center. Um, you didn't come in here. Just you, Certainly the, the podcast was an afterthought that you came in because we were gathering very significant leaders to come together to say, we want to build a wineskin where there can be a deliberate, a true assembly of God where helpless and harassed ministers, shepherds, prophets, apostles, people, like real Believers, like re- whether they're famous or not, or whatever else, that real people that have authority, that have mm-hmm. made a commitment to the Lord to use their lives or something, that they would not be helpless and harassed. Because right. there are too many prophets right now that are being harassed by Christians. Right. And there are too many pastors that are being harassed. There's too many. And so the Lord is raising up mm-hmm. true shepherds in this, in this time so that we can see a safe place. Come on. Where, where, where kingdom realities 
can be birthed on the earth. And we're not going to get into a lot of the, the details, but you came in specifically because the Lord is speaking to you, and the Lord is speaking, and the Lord is speaking to others. And we, we spent three days, we stayed up super late each night, asking a big question of how can, how can we create a safe place yeah. where there can be honesty, transparency, and the people that are actually making a, a real pledge to give their lives to see a move of God on the earth, to see a rebirth. We're contending for a rebirth of our faith. Mm. The, the Christian journey needs to get born again in America. That's it. Well, I, I would say this. What I, what I see prophetically is in what we've been talking about tonight is the picture that Ezekiel saw mm. in Ezekiel 37. We've been laying out for everyone that's watching the things that we can see with our eyes. The Bible says that Ezekiel was brought by the Lord into a valley that was full of bones, that was disjointed, that was separated, and that all these things were scattered. And the Lord spoke to him one word, can these bones live? Mm. And that's where we, where we can look with our natural eye and we can see all the things that we've yeah, said tonight on, on, in the natural, and we can see That's all right. the disjointedness right. in the government, and we can see all the disbrokenness and the dry bones and the valley, and we can see the death that's standing before us. And the question that we need to be asking when the Lord says, can these bones live, is not how we're going to do it. Come on. Come but on. Lord, you know if this is going to be awakened. And what was the response from the Lord? Prophesy. Come on. Prophesy. <laughs> Release on. the word of the Lord. Come on. Come on. Release the word of the Lord. I was looking at that tonight because in Ezekiel 37, it not only says that he began to prophesy and they stood up. And they be and, and, and they stood up, but he also there was a process when he began to see it come together, it still didn't have breath. And the Lord said, prophesy the wind. And so he prophesied the wind, and that's when the bones, they, they, the flesh, it all comes together, and they cut this, this exceeding great army stands up. And, the, and, and that was the moment. But God... It's so awesome, man. Can I just, yeah, I want to look go. at this because yeah, yeah, I, 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 I've just been like so, um, I mean, I'm probably going to say some of this stuff tomorrow, but here we are tonight. So um, Ezekiel 37, where he says, this is so powerful. Um, he said, An exceedingly great army when they stood on their feet, but in verse 13, he says something. He says, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, my people, and brought you up out of your graves. Hmm. 
So he prophesies all this stuff. He sees the exceeding great army. But, but, but God says that you'll not, you won't know that I am God when you see the army. That's not when you're going to know that I'm God. The sign that I'm God is when the grave opens. That's when you're going to know that I'm God. Wow. Not when you see it, the whole thing with your eyes, but the moment that you see the, that, the grave open and you see that dead body laying there, that's when you're going to know that I'm God. Why? Because that's the moment that we're going to know that there's nothing in the natural that we can do. The only thing that we can do is stand and prophesy, decree the word of the Lord that there is going to be an awakening. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that call is going to cause everything that is disjointed that we see across this nation that is broken People that don't are, in, are disgruntled, they don't understand what's happening. They're even hearing the things that we're saying tonight and saying, oh my goodness, I didn't know that all this has been going on. Oh my goodness, I didn't know. Oh, the blinders are off. What do I do? I'll tell you what you do. This is the moment that you begin to link your arms with the body. Because when the body comes come on, and stands, come on, come on. that's when the army is going to be right. released. Come on. And so God is not only choosing generals and people that will go forth as, as commanders, but he's also looking for those soldiers that are going to see the awakening in the earth. Yeah, that's right. Because that's where the harvest comes in. We are here for such army. a time as this. Come on. That's how I feel, man. Ezekiel 37. Dude, we can look at it. And the importance there of prophesy, God's command is here in it in the face of this reality now prophesy and that word used there um uh one of the translations of that uh, hebrew word to prophesy is to sing forth it's it's a it's a it's a form of prophetic song mm. and when i think about even what's happening in washington state and other places where where we're being told don't sing you can go to church but don't sing and I've, I thought that's absolutely spiritual. And, and then, and there are leaders in the, in, in, in our state that are saying, well, worship isn't singing. Well, praise isn't singing. But listen, what we need right now isn't just singing. We need this, this, this flowing forth, this gushing forth of prophetic praise, pro yes. prophetic prayer, yes. uh, prophetic declaration. And bro, like in the face of a valley of dry bones, this is, the Lord did not say, now beg me. Or the Lord did not say, pray to me. Right. Um, the Lord did not say, like, like humbly come and say, if it be thy will, Father. Like that is part of taking a stand. Like that every believer has to find their prophetic song. Right. That every believer has to find their prophetic voice. Shoot. And that doesn't mean just with a microphone. Yes. That means that you learn to declare the word of the Lord. Yes. Like you learn, and if you don't have the word of the Lord, you've got a Bible, start there. Declare it, sing it, speak it. We've, we've, we need this right now. Yes. We need this as, as a body. I'm a, I'm a little, I, I get a little bit allergic to, like, to this place of like passive, weak prayer right now. Right. We, we don't need that. We need prophetic, bold 
prayer right now. Militant prayer. Militant prayer. And it's going to bring forth an army. It's going to bring yes. forth, there is right now the shaking that we can feel that, this yes. militant disposition. And you can feel the body starting to get up. And there's a sound in that. That's right. There's a there's frequency. There's a sound, there's a movement, and that's what's being the birthed spirit. in the earth. Come on. There's a, there is a spirit behind that. That is powerful. Yeah. And the highest form of warfare is praise. That's why they sent out the worshipers ahead. That's why Elisha, when he did not have the word of the Lord, he said, bring me a minstrel and I will prophesy. Come on. Why? Because there is a sound of frequency that causes the spirit of God to begin to move because the Bible says that God rides on the praises of his people. And that's why the enemy wants to cover our mouths he wants us to remain silent and say nothing in that's this right, hour that's right. because he knows that if you say nothing you can and you and you and you prophesy nothing then the word of the lord will not come to pass that's right but it takes boldness to open up your mouth and prophesy the word of the lord and stand upon it and pray it through until it comes to pass stand upon your watch and wait to see what i will say the church is literally right now being told Stay home, stay safe, stay silent. And what the Lord is saying is assemble, sing, speak, declare, gather, believe. So are we partnering with the assembly of the saints and the bones rattling and coming together and the Lord supernaturally sowing muscle and, and cartilage as the body begins? Are you partnering with that because it's happening? Come on. Or are you partnering with the bones that aren't moving? Right. With, with the bones that, are, that aren't rattling? Right. Are you partnering with, and how do you know? Because nothing's literally happening. Right. It's all in your head. There's no actual movement, no actual tangible spirit and so are you partnering with the rattling and that and we're coming up and that and that or are you partnering with the spirit of fear the spirit of delay the spirit of decay the spirit of 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 that place where just it's okay this We'll, 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 we'll come through it. No, no, no. It's time to arise. And, and we just declare that right now. Come on. Guys, it is time to arise and shine. The glory of the Lord. It want, it, the Father has ordained this time for us to shine with, yeah. his, with his glory. Yeah. That, we would, that we would have not just uh, the, the knowledge, but that place of that, the awareness of his, of his spirit, his resurrection power that is inside of us right now. Come on. To transform us internally and to transform this world externally. Yeah, and you can't tell me that there's not there's not leaders that you can connect to in your local cities, in your in your towns, in your regions that aren't carrying the same spirit That's right. that we're talking about tonight. That's right. It, 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 it just is not possible. It is not possible. That's right. There are, I believe, there are over six hundred million. Was that the number that uh, who six hundred million? charismatic tongue-talking Christians? Oh, we just heard that today. Yeah, isn't that incredible? On the earth right now, the third largest category of, was that Christians, is that right? The, the Catholics? Was, was charismatic tongue-talking Christians. With an acceptance of, of five-fold ministry. Right. Who, who, and what, who, who said that? Harold Eberly was yeah. walking us well, through that today. Yeah, Harold, Harold Eberly was talking to us today. And he said that. 
And let's if, sit on if that. If you think that you're alone, <laughs> Come on. you're not alone. That's right. That's right. It's that the enemy wants to keep us silent. And you say, when's the pandemic going to be over, Charlie? I'll tell you when it's going to be over. When you say it's over. That's right. And can we hit on this just really quick? I, I, I think we need to really hit on this because this is so, so, so important. For every Christian right now, I'll look at the camera. Jesus has given to the church the office of the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist for the edification, for the building up of the church. We have to be a part of those kinds of structures that honor the offices, that honor the office of the prophet. We have to have integrity in the structures that we are associating ourselves with. And that means that if your church doesn't have a prophet, okay, all right, that's, that's fine. Does your church honor the office of the prophet? Does your church honor the office of an apostle? Does it honor these offices? Because if it does not, it is not biblical. Okay, now if you're a reformed person, you're doing your reformed uh, thing, uh, and, and you're and you're okay, whatever. But if you are a a tongue talking um, supernaturalist, you're watching the Supernaturalist podcast show. Ah, you need to hear what the Lord is saying within the church. You you need to be a part of a vibrant kingdom thing where you can where you can where you can connect and uh and it i don't really want to say what i what i want to say i i i'm i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be nice but i'm telling you it is time to shift we are like it's not it's not time to wait for your pastor to shift the responsibility is not on your pastor it is on you Sorry, Charlie. Come I on. just got I, I just got I got preachy. Go. But man, it it just it sucks when you got all these people that I believe in the prophetic, but my pastor don't. And I've been there for 30 years, word cursing that pastor. He doesn't even believe in the thing. And you got all these people that are like talking crap on their pastor because he's a believer. No, that's not a pastor's problem. That's your problem. You're not equally yoked. You've attached yourself with a thing and you're pulling all the spiritual weight and doing all the spiritual warfare. Right. But you are not where God has called you. Right. Yeah, so stop complaining and get equally yoked where you're actually a part of something where your values are actually in alignment with, with the values of the community that you're part of. Man, come on. <laughs> and and, and if that means moving to the place that you got to be. That means moving to the place that you got to be. Come on. I mean, look at how people will move to a town to take a job. Look right now how many people are moving out of different states to go different places. I, I, I um, was in... Um, you know, in, in 2019, I said this was going to be the, you know, for me, the Lord had spoke to me, this was the year of transition to move to get into place for what God was about to do. Wow, wow. Literally, I mean, how would you known, you, you know, to, I, I had friends that were living, I have, um, a, my, I should say my wife has an amazing <laughs> friend, but they're my friends too. Sure, sure. You my know, wife's I, friends. I, I claim them too. She's like an, <laughs> a funny comedian. She's living in L.A. Okay. She's going to an amazing church out in L.A., yeah. you know, with a prophet. And the Lord says, leave that community because I'm going to protect you. Wow. Leave L.A. and move. And she ended up moving to Nashville. Really? Wow. And it doesn't make any sense. Right. 
you know, because she's, she's in a certain industry, she really needs to be there. But God says, no, move to this other. And she does. She hears the word of the Lord and wow, moves. that's awesome. And think about if she would have stayed in L.A., right? <laughs> right. I mean, my yeah, goodness, Jesus. man. We yeah. need to hear the voice of Jesus. the Lord. Yeah. And we also need to get plugged into communities that, uh, I hate to say it, I love the online. I, love, I have a platform. Yep. You know, I'm not against social sure, media. Sure, But I'm not, going to, I'm not going to <laughs> limit it. I, I believe that true community is face-to-face. Yeah. And it's gotten so weird in some senses, like where people can just say anything they want. You know, you know what I mean? You would never say that to somebody. Some of the things that I get, I, I don't even answer those people. I don't care who they are. You could be a you could be a quote unquote leader. If you come on my platform and you start saying crazy stuff to me, and we have no relationship, I'm just gonna block you. <laughs> because we have no relationship. That's right, that's right. Who what? What are you talking about? Right. That's why community is important. You know what I mean? That's that's why having a pastor is important. Mm. That's why being in fellowship, you know, is important. Every person should have it. Well, Brother Charlie, I'm prophetic. Well, good, get a pastor because that's, that, right. that's the most prophetic thing that you can do at this point. That's right. Find you somebody that can speak into your life. You know what I mean? Because you being in this toxic thing isn't, isn't going to help you because what happens in isolation is you begin to feel alone. That's right. It's fascinating uh, listening to Harold. I really talked today about uh, about churches who honor the office of the apostle, and so they're a small church, but they honor the apostle, and because of that, the church just begins to grow, begins to rise, its influence begins to spread, to the point where it's almost like a natural biological son comes of age and then gets to step into their own authority and independence and are then blessed by their own father where they still have a dad but the dad's authority shifts and change changes and now the dad is no longer controlling the child the dad is no longer even necessarily influencing the decisions of the child any longer the dad did his job and now the son gets to come of age where he gets to almost become a peer right. alongside by side with his father right. and i thought uh, there i thought first of all that's such a a beautiful picture but also what is possible when a when a local church is able to honor the office of the apostle it, it, it's, all, it's the same way that we are told as children to honor our mother and our father because it'll go well for us. But mm. also just the beautiful picture of what Harold was talking about, the future of the church where, where control and even jealousy and even manipulation from the fathers against their own children, where that's being judged and dealt with. Right. And we are seeing now a time where the sons are coming of age, where sons are coming alongside of their fathers, where mm. sons are coming at, 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 on, on a peer level. And, where, and, and it's not weird, and the jealousy is not there, and the competition is not there. Right. And now the fathers are cheering on their sons as their sons are getting to go beyond them. Right. And I thought, man, that is so beautiful, and how honor is so needed right now within the body of Christ. But if there's an area of stagnation or an area where we're not growing, it's most likely because there's a lack of honor there. Mm. And, and when, we, when we cast a premature judgment against an office, then we are unable to receive an, a reward in that area within our own lives. 
lives. So if I cast an immature judgment against the prophetic, then there will be a blindness within my own life to see areas of sin issues, um, areas of, of immaturity, uh, and even compromise, not just within uh, uh, my own life, but even within the culture that I'm trying to pastor. Um, why? Because I have dishonored the nature of the eagle. I have dishonored that that place and that and that and that path. Right. And so I think it's really important within the body of Christ that we're recognizing these things within our own hearts, and we're also, um, again, kind of where we began. That it is so important that if you actually believe in the prophetic, that you're not throwing rocks at prophets because we need the oracles of God in can, this time. Can I say something else too? I think that there is um, a misunderstanding uh, in, 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 in a false narrative that is being presented that I think that needs to be addressed. And it is that if you are releasing prophetic words and you have a large platform, that you are not accountable to anyone. Right? Yeah. Right. Because I, I've heard people say, well, these, these social media prophets are accountable to no one. That is a very broad brush. How about you narrow it and say those people's names? Because if you're saying my name, right. you're wrong. Right. Because my pastor I've been submitted to for 10 years. That's right. That's right. And I've been in the church for 25 years of my life, and I've had three pastors. Wow. Okay, and I've been to two Bible colleges. Right. Okay. So if <laughs> and you're, you read books. And, and so <laughs> right. the platform that I have yeah. is a direct result of the blessing that God has given to me from my ministry. Come on. And so you're calling into question the blessing that God has given to me as a result of being a faithful son and serving in the church, cleaning toilets when I was 18 years old, you know, packing up sound systems. So it's an indictment. Now, if you're just, I, I, you know, I know that there are people that are online mm -hmm. that are probably saying things that shouldn't be said. Mm -hmm. But if, if we were... To really get down to it, Darren, let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. A person, if they are inaccurate in their prophetic words, mm -hmm. would not have a platform at all because no one would listen to them. So there has to be an accuracy that has been released that has allowed that platform to grow to where now people listen to that person. Right? And so you, whoever you are that likes to just type in and say, you're a false prophet, da 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 da. My friend, where were you at 20 years ago when I was crying out to God in a field and serving a, my pastor and going to Bible colleges and serving in the local church? Where were you? You were nowhere in my life. Mm -hmm. And so we need to stop saying that prophets need, you know, social media prophets. That's like saying televangelists need to submit. That's the previous generation. You know what I mean? And do you think that 
the office of the prophet out of all the other offices is more of a punching bag than Definitely. any of the other offices. Because it's because because the you know it, it's easy. It's easy to sit there and and you know throw stones, especially online now. It was harder when when people you know, when the uh, platforms were uh, Christian television programs. Mm -hmm. You know, you could probably email those people or whatever and say whatever you wanted to them. Um, write books about them, say their names in their books or whatever. Uh, it's much easier now for someone that may not even agree with you doctrinally just to come on and say whatever they want. For me, I don't even look at this stuff. Mm -hmm. I just, if I see something, I just block. My staff doesn't even show me anything. And what, what I think too is this, and I want to encourage people um, because I've released videos about encouraging prophets and prophetic people to release the word of the Lord. You have your platform. If God's really speaking to you, then your platform's going to grow and people are going to listen. If you're not hearing from the Lord, then no one's going to listen. That's right. God is going to shine on the people that he's giving the word of the Lord to. It's just evident because he's trying to get that word out. And sometimes he has to, he has to bypass religious structures. That's right. That's right. Religious structures have to be bypassed when they're corrupted. When the, when the structure becomes corrupted, then he has to That's bypass right. those That's structures. Right. That's right. And he has to go around those things. It doesn't mean that you're not, as a leader, submitted. I believe that when you're submitted and you're in fellowship and you are living right, your platform is going to grow. And people are going to witness to the word that you're releasing that it was from the Lord. And, G, uh, and Jesus makes it very clear as far as, because um, there's going to be things that need to be addressed in the church. And, and there needs to be a certain protocol for how that's actually uh, addressed. Um, and so when somebody sins against you, right, um, that's what you should do. You should go to them, right? Uh, go to them and, and, and bring it up and, and plead with them and work with them. And if they're just like, man, forget you. I don't care about you. They, all right, then go get, get an elder. Bring somebody else. Why? Because they're not hearing you. There might be an offense there. You, you might just be a horrible communicator. But bring somebody else with a different perspective, with different word choice, with a different way of, of to, in order to get this person, this person has to be able to see. There has to be some sort of, this has to get addressed, right? Right. And then bring it before the church. But the whole purpose is for there to be clarity in the, in, 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 in the testimony, for there to be unity in the, in the testimony of Jesus. And so I get concerned because people are going to do things, right? People in the church are going to do things. All right, cool. And, and now when it comes to humanity, you know, humans are going to be humans, even humans in the church. But when it comes to leaders, we all know that leaders are held to a much higher standard. Right. And, um, and, uh, and you have leaders in your life that have emailed you. I have leaders in my life that have emailed me. You have leaders that have called you, texted I have leaders that have called me and texted me. I, I think that's great. You know, at the end of the day, we might agree to disagree. We might repent. We might do whatever. But what I don't think is great is when you have leaders that use their platform uh, to, uh, to, to write a book in order to to the whole body of Christ in order to, when they haven't really, when there's no relationship and there hasn't been, I'm coming to you, I want to understand where you're coming from. I'm going to get another leader 
to, to come along inside. We're going to reason together because we, got this, we all have the same mission within the body of Christ. Right. It might be to write a book. It might be to start a blog. It might be, you know, who blogs anymore? But uh, like, like whatever your thing is, to do a documentary, to do a... I think it's so important that we, that we recognize that there's going to be stuff that we've got to work through. I, I like Paul like, where he's like, hey, like when somebody screws up, man, like approach it with a spirit of gentleness because when you screw up, you're going to want somebody to have some gentleness with you. Right. And, um, and so... Uh, uh, people in the body are going to do, but for leaders in the body, the, the body must hold leaders accountable that we are not partnering with the accuser of the brethren and using our platforms to assassinate leaders, especially because I've seen leaders in the body of Christ that go through a rough time in their lives. And then a religious spirit actually instigates uh, 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 something to come against that, like, because here's the thing, like, like, when it rains, it pours, and the enemy right. never just diversifies his attacks over 30 years of time. No, when the enemy comes in, he comes in like a flood. It's, it's a moment, and we've got, um, we've got people in the body of Christ, like, uh, incredible leaders, we've got prophets and pastors, we've got apostles in the body of Christ right now that are going through a difficult time in their lives. They, they've, they've done a lot of incredible things, but they're going through stuff right now and you also have other leaders that are partnering with a religious spirit, and they think that their job is to expose. They think they are whistleblowers. And, and whenever I hear somebody that says, I'm a whistleblower in the body, I think immediately, no, you're not. You're partnering with the accuser of the brethren, that there's no heart of gentleness or restoration within you, right. and, and that you're partnering. And so I think the body, we have to hold our leaders accountable, not just against sin issues. We got to keep up holy. Yeah. No, no, no. We need to hold leaders accountable that our leaders are responding to leaders that have fallen with a spirit of gentleness. And that if, they're, if we're going to use our platforms to expose somebody that's already going through restoration processes and already, like, it, it is so important that the generation that's coming of age now, we've got to model this different. We've yeah. got to walk this out differently. Yeah, and well, that I think that that comes down to the local church. Yeah, absolutely right. I know it's not popular, <laughs> right? The, like we're done with the local church, but I honestly believe that, um, you know, uh, uh, many things could be done as far as restoration goes, or help goes, within that framework of the local church more so than, you know, the way that things have been handled. And yeah. So. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, dude. What an interview. What a chat. Yeah, and it's like 2 o'clock for you. Is it? 2 a.m. Man, it must have been the coffee. It's, it's 11 o'clock. For everybody on the East Coast that's watching, what's the, you guys are hardcore. <laughs> If you're watching and you're from the East Coast, you're watching live. Put a put a put a, a one up in the in the comments there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a free copy of Charlie's book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Put a one up. We'll, we'll do something for you, man. This has been amazing. It's been such an amazing weekend. People, everyone's gonna get everyone's gonna get to find out what we've been up to. Um, yeah, it's going to be in the, it's going to be awesome. In the spring, we're going to be doing some stuff, but God is moving and we're going to finish this year strong 
And 2021 is going to be insane. 2020 has been incredible. People need to be encouraged. That's right. That this would, that in the midst of all this, God is reshuffling the deck right now. And, and, the, and we're going to win. We're going to win. And um, we may have felt like we've lost, but we're going to come out victorious. And this decade is going to be powerful. And we're going to push back the agenda of the enemy. Because hopefully people that watch tonight have gotten a taste of, just by talking some of the things that we've said, the, the severity of the situation and how important it is for the church to come to the point of rising as that army and pushing back the, the, the cloak of darkness so that others can be, be set free. Jesus longs for all of us to be saved, right? Amen, amen. And, and it's time to push back the darkness, release the light, and bring in the harvest. This is not the hour of the Antichrist. This is the hour of the revealing of the Christ through his body, Jesus. So, man, anyways, I could go all night. I drank this coffee. I'm reminded of the, the scene in Braveheart when, um, you know, Mel Gibson, William Wallace, is pleading with the people because there's this thing that's happening in that scene. And you could feel the tension in that scene. These are all fathers um, with, with, with wives and sons. And they're out, they're out there. All these fathers are out there. And they've got, <laughs> they've got axes and shovels. They don't even have weapons. They've got, like, pitchforks. <laughs> all, they just grab anything that could be used as a weapon. And they're out there with their sons. Mm. And, and the tension is, is we could go home right now and live. Yeah, but if we fight, we might die. And then, uh, and they're all waiting for William Wallace, Wallace to show up. And finally, when he does show up, they don't even believe that that's really William Wallace because he just looks like an ordinary man. Right. He just looks ordinary and common, just like the rest of them. And he shows up, and he, and he knows the tension there. And he says, sure, run, and you'll live. Fight, and you'll die. But if... But it, but if you choose to escape right now, if you choose to do nothing, and how many years from now, on your deathbed, what would you do in that moment to trade out all of those years that you, that you lived, what would you do to come back to this moment knowing that they can take our lives, but they can't take our freedom? And in that moment, all the guys just scream and they cheer and they unify, saying it's, it's worth it. That's what I saw in that moment. Like, it's worth it. Going all in yeah. is worth it. And I hope that the body, I hope that history records that in 2020, the body of Christ said, this is going to cost us greatly. But we, 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 we will not have regrets just before we die saying we wish we could have done that differently. Mm. Amen. Amen. <laughs> man. Awesome, man. Yeah. The martyrs and the, and the, great cloud of witnesses are looking on us right now and what and they're saying what are you going to do with what you've been given wow that's where i feel like we're at right now wow like they stood under much harsher conditions than we're standing right <laughs> totally, now dude totally you know what i mean 
much harsher conditions. And I, I mean, I, I, know, I know brothers in the faith, sisters in the faith, that, and I've heard their stories of persecution in other countries. And I'm like, man, we haven't even, we stand now so that we don't have to face. That's right. That's, that, that, that's why I stand. Because I don't, I, I don't want, I don't want to see what I've heard in other countries. That's right. You know, for, for, for people have to have to face that. So that's why we stand now. That's right. That's right. Anyways. So good. Come on. Much love. Until next time. Love you, man. All right. Peace out. See you guys. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There's so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take Take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.